Hello, coffee lovers. JR with Third Day Coffee Seguin. It is 1900. It's Friday. That means it's time for God Country Coffee. Uh, we have a really great uh, guest tonight. We recorded yesterday because he wasn't available tonight, uh, but it's going to be a great, great podcast. You're going to love the information uh, that we're going to put out. Uh, first and foremost, I thank God for just the unbelievable blessings that he just keeps pouring down uh, on my family, on my business. Um, and it's all to glorify him, you know, coffee is just a vehicle for me to share the gospel. And uh, even though things are crazy right now, I will tell you personally, I'm struggling with being really, really, uh, mad and angry about, uh, not just the 13 of our soldiers that were killed because of poor decisions that our government make, but the poor decisions that our government continues to make. Um, today is constitution day. September 17th, 1787, our Constitution was signed. It's the only Constitution in the world that has ever survived uh, as long as ours has, 200 and some odd years. Uh, the, most Constitutions, I found out yesterday, they, they survive about 17 years and then they're done. Uh, and so uh, we have an incredible institution. The framers were incredibly um, genius uh the way they set up our constitution. And so tonight is going to be all about the constitution. I have a great guest. Um, he is a national Alaska national guardsman, uh, Ben Hager. He goes to church with us. He's given us a class right now called constitutional live. And it's a study of the constitution, the way it was written and amended, not the way the Supreme court likes to vote on it with their opinion. And so First, I'm going to tell you that this is all you really need. This is the only constitution you need. This book right here is all we need. There's nothing else. Nothing. But when you do have a few minutes, if you want to preserve the right to study that book and not get shot, then you need to study this. Uh, that's all there is to it. And I'm going to read one line of the Declaration of Independence, because it's so important. Uh, it's the last line, and it just gives you, you know, the gravity of the entire situation that these guys, they knew. Uh, the very last line of the Declaration of Independence says, um, uh, things which independent states may of right do, and for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. And so uh, that's that's about as deep as it gets. It really is. Uh, honor was all they had at that time in those days and their livelihood, their fortunes. And a lot of them lost their fortunes. A lot of them lost their life. 
um, but there, most of them were honor was intact. And so, um, anyway, I'm, I'm going to play the video. Uh, I'm going to be hanging around doing, uh, comments. So if you comment, if you're listening into the live, uh, let us know how the, um, what's up, Mark, let us know how the audio and everything is sounding, especially when I start the video. Um, and as you can see what my, my name of my company today is pray for the families of the fallen. Um, and also one last thing, tomorrow is the last day to vote for the first annual military veterans, uh, podcast awards. And so I'm going to be posting the link, uh, in the comments as we go through this. Um, and I would really, you know, appreciate for you to go and vote, we're up for best Navy. We're up for best business and we're up for best overall podcast. And so voting ends tomorrow night. So I would appreciate if you would please keep us in mind. Third day coffees. I mean, uh, I'm sorry, God country coffee podcast. All right. So without further ado, first I'm going to, I'm going to do one last thing and I'm going to tell you that the more we say their names, the less likely we are to forget them and the sacrifice they made to this country. And I'm talking about the 13 that fell uh, in August. And so I'm going to run that banner. And uh, it's got all their names. And so I'm going to leave that running throughout the, the uh, course here. Uh, like I said, I'm going to be monitoring the comments. Uh, but right now I'm going to pull the video up. And... See how I'm going to do this. Hello, coffee lovers. Jared with Third Day Coffee Seguin. And uh, it's 1900 Friday. And uh, that means it's time for God Country Coffee. And this is pre recorded because my guest is available today on Thursday and not tomorrow. Uh, and uh, family comes first always. God, country, family actually, and we'll get into that. Uh, but uh, we have a lot of things going on. We just roasted pumpkin spice, maple nut, caramel macchiato, and uh, tomorrow I'm going to be doing a pecan roast in the morning, hopefully. Uh, I went back to the back of the property and got some pecans, so hopefully that'll work out all right. There's also... Uh, and I'm not going to sell this yet until I love it, but I just did a, uh, a Robusta, which is uh, the Robusta variety of coffee. It's twice the amount of caffeine. I did a really dark, dark rose. It's like an Italian rose. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull some shots tomorrow on the espresso machine, and if I like it, then it's going to be something that we're going to add that should be able to buy online uh, because I know lots of people like to make espresso. We are also doing some white label stuff. I'll go over that tomorrow right before the show. Uh, if you're interested, if you're a veteran, I have a special deal uh, for you from now to the end of the year. Uh, there's no setup fees. There's no buy-in. Uh, but there is a little bit of stuff that I'll leave for you. It's a way for you to uh, – it's a way for us to empower other veterans to either start their own business uh, or, you know, something that we haven't taught in our country in a long time is about having more – Hello, coffee lovers. Jay with Third Day Coffee Seguin. And uh, it's 1900, Friday. 
and uh, that means it's time for God Country Coffee. And this is pre-recorded because my guest is available today on Thursday and not tomorrow. Uh, and uh, family comes first always. God, country, family, actually, and we'll get into that. Uh, but uh, we have a lot of things going on. We just roasted pumpkin spice, maple nut, caramel macchiato. And uh, tomorrow I'm going to be doing a pecan roast in the morning, hopefully. Uh, I went back to the back of the property and got some pecans, so hopefully that'll work out all right. We've also, uh, and I'm not going to sell this yet until I love it, but I just did a, uh, a Robusta, which is uh, the Robusta variety of coffee. It's twice the amount of caffeine. I did a really dark, dark roast. It's like an Italian roast. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make, I'm going to pull some shots tomorrow on the espresso machine. And if I like it, then it's going to be something that we're going to add that you'll be able to buy online uh, because I know lots of people like to make espresso. Um, we are also doing some white label stuff. I'll go over that tomorrow right before the show. Uh, if you're interested, if you're a veteran, I have a special deal uh, for you from now to the end of the year. Uh, there's no setup fees. There's no buy-in. Uh, but there is a little bit of stuff that I'll need from you. It's a way for you to, um, it's a way for us to empower other veterans to either start their own business uh, or, you know, something that we haven't taught in our country in a long time is about having more. Uh, you might have heard it if you're from the South, you know, the old saying about don't, don't have all your eggs in one basket. Uh, well, that, that's really important with your finances, especially in today's climate. All right. I apologize. I'm having some kind of trouble with the video. Let's try this again. And, uh, and hopefully it'll be, uh, it'll be squared away. Hello, coffee lovers. JR with Third Day Coffee Seguin. And uh, it's 1900 Friday. And uh, that means it's time for God Country Coffee. Yeah, that's not going to work. I'm going to have to do this differently. All right, let's see. Give me just a second. I apologize. I thought I had this all squared away. Apparently, I did not. Hello, Cumbula. And now let me go back over here and then share my screen. It's a different window. I apologize. We're getting this. I'm going to get this squared away. I promise you. 
Okay. Now let's see if this works or not. Here's Jay with Third Day Coffee Seguin, and uh, it's 1900 Friday, and uh, that means it's time for God Country Coffee. And this is pre-recorded because my guest is available today on Thursday and not tomorrow. Uh, and uh, family comes first always. God, country, family actually, and we'll get into that. Uh, but uh, we have a lot of things going on. We just roasted pumpkin spice. Maple nut, nut caramel nut, macchiato, and, uh, and uh, tomorrow I'm going to be doing a pecan roast in the morning, hopefully. I uh, went back to the back of the property and got some pecans, so hopefully that'll work out all right. We've also, uh, and I'm not going to sell this yet until I love it, but I just did a, a Robusta, which is uh, the Robusta variety of coffee. It's twice the amount of caffeine. I did a really dark, dark roast. It's like an Italian roast. Uh, I'm going to... I'm gonna make. I'm gonna pull some shots tomorrow on the espresso machine, and if I like it, then it's gonna be something that we're gonna add that you'll be able to buy online, uh, because I know lots of people like to make espresso. Um, we are also doing some white label stuff. I'll go over that tomorrow right before the show. Uh, if you're interested, if you're a veteran, I have a special deal uh, for you from now to the end of the year. Uh, there's no setup fees. There's no buy-in. Uh, but there is a little bit of stuff that I need from you. It's a way for you to, um, it's a way for us to empower other veterans to either start their own business uh, or, you know, something that we haven't taught in our country in a long time is about having more. Uh, you might have heard it if you're from the South, you know, the old saying about don't don't have all your eggs in one basket. Uh, well, that, that's really important with your finances, especially in today's climate. And so the white label coffee is a way for you to put a, a different uh, stream of revenue uh, in with your with whatever you're doing. Even if you're working full time, uh, you're not going to be roasting coffee. You're not going to be fixing bags. So you can run this literally, uh, you know, in a couple hours in the evening and on your weekends, or you know, if you have a stay home mom or stay home dad, uh, they can totally do this. Uh, you know, 15, 20 hours a week. Uh, and, and it's it's a pretty decent uh, profit margin on your end. So I'm only doing that for veterans. Um, after the first of the year, we're going to open it up, but then we're going to have minimums for orders. Uh, that'll be open up to anybody, civilians, whoever wants to do it. And if you're not a veteran and you want to do it right now, call me. Let's talk about it. I'll work with you. Um, the idea is just to empower people to take control of their finances, to take control of their future. And so, uh, and you know, a lot of veterans have trouble transitioning. Uh, I never realized until last year that I had trouble transitioning. I've been out of the military since 1995. And I did not know until last year that I, that I had so much trouble transitioning. Uh, anyway, we have a great guest tonight. I'm telling you, this is so important for where we're at today with all the division that's in our country with all the political strife that's going on, all the craziness. We're going to talk about truth tonight. Um, my guest is active duty National Guard. Uh, and uh, he's actually walking us through a course at church uh, called Constitutional Law. 
And it's a study of the Constitution the way it was written and amended, not the way the courts voted on it. So it's nobody's opinion. And the way, and I'll let him talk about how they do that because it's really interesting. Uh, and, and I've done a lot of study on the Bible. And, you know, I know how they came about this. And so it's very similar to the same process. And so, anyway, without further ado, my guest, Ben Hagar. And uh, Ben. Uh, introduce yourself, tell us where you're from, where you grew up, and uh, what led you into the service, and then we'll get into the good stuff. Not that that's not good stuff. <laughs> no, it's, it's all good stuff. You know what I mean. Well, uh, so I'm originally from Pennsylvania. I was born and raised uh, country country boy in the, the sixth of Pennsylvania, and um, 2001, September 11, 2001 took place, and my dad left his English teaching job and got a commission in the Navy as a chaplain. So that was like my first exposure of the military, right? So I was, you know, this 10-year-old boy, because I'm a baby. 10-year-old uh, <laughs> boy in, in 2001. Uh, my dad gets his commission and leaves. Goes and does active duty Navy for a period of time. Um, and it was at that time where I really just started falling in love with the Navy SEALs. And uh, spent my entire childhood wanting to be a, a Navy SEAL. That was it. Uh, but then I started dating a girl in high school my senior year and she leaves and goes to Alaska and because high schoolers make very good decisions what do I do I chase this girl to Alaska um 18 years old I uh I moved to Alaska with nothing but a backpack a box and thousand dollars in my bank account and God took that opportunity and ran with it and uh it, I struggled uh, but one of the first things that I did when I got there was join the Alaska Air National Guard. Um, still wanting to be in the military, I couldn't. I couldn't compromise on that. I still had to be in the military. So I, uh, I joined the Alaska Air National Guard as a security forces member. A, you know, a military police officer. Um, it wasn't special operations, um, but I was able to go to sniper school, Army uh, Air Force sniper school. It's kind of a rebranded program now. It's, uh, new protection something but at the time it was air force sniper school so i i, I consider that my special operations training i've never I've, the air force has no idea how to employ their uh their uh, their, their uh, close precision engagement guys which is what they call the program um but it was a cool experience best time I, that was the best time i've ever had in the in the air force i've been to iraq i was in iraq in 2011 uh, right before we pulled out of Iraq, and then in 2014 to April 2015, I was in Bagram, Afghanistan. So I've been I've been to both theaters. Um, security forces guy, so I didn't you know I wasn't outside the wire. I wasn't running missions or anything like that, but I was you know part of the, the air base defense, and uh, it was it was a good time. I you know I, I try not to brag too much because a lot of guys have been through so much more than I have. You know, back to my dad as a military chaplain. In 2005, he was tasked with second recon in Fallujah. And my dad has more aggressive war stories than I do. He's been um, he's missing half of his hearing in, in one ear because a, a, a car bomb went off on the other side of the building that he was standing next to. He was, you know, he was fine that particular incident. Um, only the, the suicide bomber lost his life, but... Uh, my dad's found IEDs in the road. He, he's got a picture with an IED that he found. He's holding it up. It hadn't been wired up, but it had been, pre, it had been buried, and he found it. And 
got a picture with it. Uh, my stories don't compare to my, my chaplain, my chaplain father. Um, but the military's been, but the military's been good to me. Um, I'm still in in the, in the Alaska Air National Guard, as uh, I believe they call it a non-commuter. So I have a really weird status where I only do four weeks a year instead of one weekend a month, like most guard guard members. I do. I basically go up one month straight, do all my time. And I come back and grow a nice beard most of the time, <laughs> and uh, and that's and that's where I'm at right now. Except that I've moved into a combat arms position, so I'm a firearms instructor in the in the Air Force right now, and that's I love it. It's the best place to be if you're going to be in the Air Force is is teaching people how to shoot. I love doing it on my own, my personal time. I take people out all the time if they if they want. Um, Matter of fact, I tell people if I can make a hundred thousand dollars a year, be a firearms instructor, not anymore. I would take that for the rest of my life. I love, I love teaching, uh, teaching firearm use that much. But um, here we are in Texas, uh, yeah, chasing my wife's job opportunities, and uh, we'll see, we'll see where life takes us, where the Lord takes us from here. Yeah, it's funny how God has a, a way of, you know, influencing uh, what you're going to do, whether you want to do it or not. It's true. Uh, but uh, so, so on to the really, really like the meat and potatoes of what I wanted to talk about tonight, because uh, the reason I asked Ben to come talk to us, um, you know, this weekend is the last weekend of voting for the first annual Veteran, Veteran Podcast Awards. And I really wanted to have a guest that was going to make an impact and uh, just getting to know Ben a little bit from church and then the stuff that we talked about as far as our constitution goes and the state of affairs that our country's in, uh, I knew he was a perfect fit. And so, um, like I said, what we're doing right now, we're in a course called Constitutional Live. Uh, it's an incredible study. I mean, it's gotten me to the point where I'm buying books now, uh, you know, because, um, I was on a live the other day with uh, Raymond Lott, the, the, the Marine rapper, the poster that you see behind me. Well, you might not because there's a QR code. In the way. But anyway, I have a poster behind me that says Truth Lives Matter. And uh, Raymond is a young, black, conservative, Marine, combat Marine. Uh, and, and he doesn't use foul language when he raps. And he's just an incredible young man. Uh, and I was telling him the other day that the public school system was was designed by this guy right here, Benjamin Rush. Well, he framed it out. Uh, and the three things that it was, was to love and serve God, love and serve your country, and love and serve your family. He said public schools ought to teach that students should, that the kids should love and serve, just as he put it, God, love and serve country, and love and serve their their family, their, which which seems backwards to what most people would say today, right? But, um, but if and if I might talk about that for just a second, absolutely. That's what I'm hoping. He he said that because he said if country, if you ever lose track of your country, if you if you forget to love and serve your country, it will become the enemy of your family. And so, by neglecting your country and, and making it making a third to your family, and putting it after your family, you will lose your family. You will the, the government, as we're seeing in, in many cases today, will become the enemy of your family. And we see that with our education system. We see that with a lot of the um, 
um, and, and don't even get me started on Europe and, and, and other countries. You know, we are still blessed to be in the greatest country in the world. But um, if, if you never want to lose track of your country, um, and unfortunately, we have it in so many, so many cases. But that was that was the perspective of our founding fathers, Benjamin Rush in particular, a founding father you never hear about, uh, primarily because of his devout Christian faith. I mean, this guy was a he, he was he's a medical doctor whose medical books were used in 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 the medical study up until the late 1800s for a hundred years his work was it like he was a premier doctor he no no doctor and a lot of his uh, um, um, a lot of his studies of the illness of the brain um, were used up until, you know, just less, you know, in 1900s, people were still using some of his research. Um, his eldest son, John, uh, I believe it was Jonathan, killed his best friend in a duel, and it drove him crazy. And so Benjamin Rush had this, is William, I believe, uh, his oldest son's name. He had to watch his eldest son go crazy. He lost his mind. And that really drove him to research what works, what treatments work, how do we deal with this? And uh, so much so that his works have been used for it. What I find years. interesting about Benjamin Rush, and I was so taken that I bought the same book, right? And so what I found so interesting about it is that if you Google Benjamin Rush, you're going to find a whole bunch of medical stuff. You'll find a bunch of books that he wrote, medical books. Uh, if you're lucky, you'll find something that says that he was one of the framers. You know, you have to look for it. But if you start digging into it, you find out the book talks about how when he died, he was considered the great American hero. Uh, and he was revered as such a prominent and important individual uh, of his time. You know, he was revered as a, as a hero, uh, even by Washington and everybody else. And so that's when you know when you take that into context, he was a big deal. But he was a Christian, so we don't hear about. It. So we don't hear about. Give me one second. I'm going to shut this machine off because I think it's cool. All right. Sorry about that. I've been roasting all day, and so uh, there'll be new stuff on the website this coming week. But anyway, so let's talk about. The Constitution in general, give us some, you know, like you introduced it to us during the course, um, some things that people are not aware, I guess, is really important. And let's lead into what I really want to talk about, the Convention of States, because nobody knows what a Convention of States is, how it works, how it can help us today. I think the first thing we got to look at is, uh, is a quote from John Jay. He was our first Supreme Court justice. And he said... And this is this is deep. This is important, and it really ought to, to ring in the hearts of everyone in in America. Really, he said every member of the state ought diligently to read and study the Constitution of their country. That alone, we, we've got a problem. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Yeah. How many people? You know, how many people at home uh, listening, or or you know, do you know that haven't even read? Constitution, let alone study it. Oh, but but there's more. Every member of the state ought diligently to read and study the Constitution of his country and teach the rising generation to be free. How are we going to teach the rising generation to be free if we've never read or studied the Constitution? 
I was guilty of it up until uh, about a year and a half ago. That was me. I that's never so, learned it in school. That's so many people, and and we don't anymore. Yeah. And September seventeenth is Constitution Day, the day the Constitution was signed. There's a there is a law, a federal law requiring schools to teach the Constitution. February. Uh, so that's a February. I meant September. Sorry. My words are getting backwards here. September seventeenth, seventeen eighty seven. Constitution was signed. There's a federal law that requires public schools to teach the Constitution. Nobody knows. And it doesn't Nobody happen. Doesn't. How many people, how many of y'all were ever taught the Constitution in September? Nope. Yeah. On Constitution Day. It doesn't happen. But there's more. Let's continue. By knowing their rights. So now that we've read and studied and taught the rising generation to be free. By knowing their rights, they will sooner perceive when their rights are when their rights have been violated, and they will be better prepared to defend and assert them. No one in America today is defending and asserting their constitutional rights with any authority because they haven't read and they haven't studied it. And they can say all day long that it's not constitutional. And they're probably right. But it ends there. If you can't back it up with how is it not constitutional, your, your argument falls apart before it goes anywhere. And that's really where we need to be in America is to be able to say that's not constitutional because it is not a power given to the government because it's not listed in section one or uh, article one, section eight of the, of the constitution or in an amendment, or it's not in the second art or uh, article two uh, in the context of the president or whatever to be able to back it up with knowledge. You'll, you'll start to go somewhere. And that's really where I want people to be. Um, it's where everyone, you know, I, I hope where everyone themselves wants to be. And there's plenty of resources out there. A lot of the stuff uh, here on the table is from uh, David Barton and Wall Builders. Um, they, David Barton and Glenn Beck together have the largest private collection of founding era documents outside of the Library of Congress. They have thousands and thousands of source books. So they're reading like handwriting from the founding fathers. So. A lot of times they get attacked for, for you know being misleading or not telling the truth. They usually come back with a source document and say, well, actually, right here, it says exactly what I'm saying. So what's your argument to that? And often that's where it ends. Um, but there's so many resources out there that are available if you know where to find them. Uh, Wallbuilders.com is the website that David Barton has. And then Rick Green, who did the Constitutional Live program, has a website called Patriot Academy. And I'm not a, a representative of either of them, um, but I'm going I'm to plug Patriot Academy real quick because Rick Green has done some amazing work. Um, a few times a year, he offers a program to 16 to 25-year-olds, uh, either at the state capitol in Austin. I think there's an East Coast and a West Coast course as well but he invites these these youth are our rising generation he invites them out to the capital and they they run through the motions of of of, of, um, of passing a bill and they play politics basically for the course of a week and they learn the constitution with that original intent in mind it's pretty impressive i'll stop talking for a minute no i i love it so when we're talking about original intent how do they know that right well 
they've taken correspondence from these people that literally, I mean, firsthand correspondence from the framers that were doing this. They were going back and forth talking about the different issues. And so there's, it's not somebody decided, oh, I think this is what they meant. No. These letters from the framers back and forth, they tell wrote you to, everything. Yeah. Everything. Not like us. Yeah. Well, well, but we do it. We do the same thing they did. But it's all digital. We're texting back and forth. Everything's digital and it can disappear. Right. Everything that we do to communicate with each other, phone calls and, and text messages and emails, they they, they had to do that on physical paper. paper. And at the time, you, you probably heard the term getting your sheepskin. Basically, the paper quality is way better than, than stuff that we've got today. And it lasts. It, 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 it preserves well. It's almost like uh, it's, it's almost like a, a sick joke on, on the left. Because they can't get rid of this stuff. It's the, the evidence is there. I mean, it, it's it's pretty, you know it's, it's so well preserved that if you look for it, you can find it in, in good in good quality. Um, but but that's exactly it. Original intent. How they wrote everything down. We can literally read what they thought and uh, the discussions that they had amongst themselves. And I'm going to tie that into to, to the Bible because everything we do here is. God, country, coffee, right? And the coffee is actually part of um, family, right? Because that's, that's what my family does. I do coffee. But anyway, it falls in line with, with what we were talking about earlier, you know, what Benjamin Rush really thought that, that the way things could be. And I've always told people, you know, country is should be second. It should be God and then country. Because if you don't defend your country, like we both served in the military, and I'm not saying that if you didn't serve, you're not helping, but I'm just saying that that it is the military of this country that has preserved the, the liberties that we have to worship and not get shot outside our church. Uh, things that don't happen in other countries, you know, they are killing Christians uh, in Afghanistan. They're killing Christians in China. They are killing Christians all over the world just because of who they worship. And so those those rights and those liberties have been preserved by our fighting force since the revolutionary era. Um, but the way the Bible was was and I I was going to seminary for quite some time. I I, I haven't finished, but uh, I took some really interesting courses on how they came up with the Bible, right? And yes, there's everybody will argue, oh, well, there's so many different translations. Well. They, they, there's different translations, but the actual manuscripts, the actual books of the Bible, how did they find it? Well, what they did, they, they went around the world and they found every single uh, book of Isaiah that they could find. And then when they have so many of them, they can go through them and they can find out what's been left out. Uh, and there's a whole process, and don't get me to remember the word for that process, but there's a process where they do that. And then if you anybody remembers in the 60s when they found, or the 40s, I think, in the Dead 40s, yeah, when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, it, it basically 100% solidified what they had already had. In fact, I think they found an entire book of Isaiah. Um, and so that just, that's what they did. They, they took all these, you know, firsthand writings. And then you had to have people that had to learn the ancient Greek language. You know, because the only way to really know what this says, if you either know ancient Hebrew, Aramaic, which is where Jesus was from, or uh, or uh, Greek, you know, which is what Luke wrote most of the New Testament in, and so did Paul. 
And so without knowing those languages, you know, you can't look at the original documents, but these these people and they and if you ever find something that's done by one person, don't trust it. You know, the the people who have the best translations of the Bible are the ones where it was a community of, of experts. And so and they took original documents wherever they found them. And that's how you verify. And so that's exactly what David Barton and other people have done with this. They've taken the original documents, which are obviously still in existence. Right. And you can't dispute them. You can't say, well, no, he didn't say that. Well, yeah, look, this is what he wrote. Here's the portrait. Here's the last whatever. Here it is. And uh, the ink is dry. You can't change it. You know, uh, but people still want to argue. And and then the, and I hate when they use it for their own, you know, try to, to, to validate their own, which a lot of politicians do. We know that. So how do we get from. Well, let's go a little bit more on the Constitution and let's lead into uh, what I really think needs to be blasted throughout the entire country, uh, which is what is the convention of states. Uh, and and how it affects us as individual citizens. Certainly. Well, let's start off by reading it uh, right out of the Constitution. So, Article 5 of the Constitution. The Congress, whenever two-thirds of both houses shall deem it necessary, shall propose amendments to this Constitution, or on the application of the legislatures of two-thirds of the several states. So, two-thirds of the legislature of so application of the legislature of two-thirds of the several states so legislatures of the several states shall call a convention for proposing amendments so that part right there is where we're beginning to get into the convention of states so which in either case shall be valid so it right there it validates it which in either case shall be valid to all intents and purposes as part of this constitution when ratified by a legislature of three-fourths of the several states or by conventions in three-fourths thereof as the one or the other mode of ratification may be proposed by congress so this is the the, the clause one and clause two two-thirds of the several states can propose an amendment to the constitution and three-fourths can ratify it there is a movement, which I believe that every American ought to get behind, called the Convention of States Movement. And the movement is simply calling for a Convention of States. I'm going to read from their website here just to really get the, uh, they say it a little bit more uh, eloquently. Um, so why call a Convention of States? Simple. To bring power back to the states and to the people where it belongs. Hang on. Say that again. Listen. Say that again. I call it Convention of States to bring power back to the states and the people where it belongs. We are a federalism. Federalism must not die. If if if, and that's the great thing about federalism is you don't like where you live. You don't like California's government. Guess what? Go to Texas where you're gonna have. You know, more freedom and more liberty to do whatever you want. You don't like that? You wanna you wanna try your hand at being a farmer? Cool. Move up to Kentucky and you know buy a farm and and you know it's federalism is awesome. Uh, we can get into that later. But let me finish reading this here. 
The unelected bureaucrats in Washington, D.C. shouldn't be allowed to make sweeping, sweeping decisions that impact millions of Americans. But right now, they do. So it all, all boils down to one question. Who do you think should decide what's best for you and your family? You or the feds? We vote for the American people every single time. So what's a convention of states anyway? Article 5 of the U.S. Constitution, which is what we just read, gives states the power to call a convention of states to propose amendments. It takes 34 states to call the convention and 38 to ratify any amendments to that, uh, any amendments that are proposed. It's a big number and it's difficult, but that's the way the founding fathers wanted it to be. Our convention would only allow the states to discuss amendments that limit the power and jurisdiction of the federal government as it was intended to impose fiscal restraints and place term limits on federal officials. I talked to you earlier about right now they're really focusing on things that they know they can win. Universally accepted uh, restraints on the federal government. Fiscal restraints? Man, our debt is out of control. Our spending is out of control federally. And I think everybody's in a place where they agree term limits on federal officials is appropriate. Yeah, and you know, there's so much right now, and I'm not going to get into what you should do or what's right or whatever. I'm not going to talk about that because um, my wife is a, is an epidemiologist, and if you don't know what that is, go look it up. So my perspective is unique. However, both of us will tell you that that nowhere on this planet that in this country that God gave us, should we be forced to take a vaccine? Should we be forced to take, you know, mandates of things? Do I personally think the numbers show that fat people and diabetics died in troves from this virus? So I was in line as soon as I could be. Okay. I'm a big guy. I don't hide it. I'm working on that. But I didn't have a problem with it. In the military, I got so many shots. I don't even know what they were. You know, what's one more stick? And so um, I will tell you that, that the, the media misleads people as to, as to the shot and, and it's, you know, where it came from. And then they just pulled it out of a rabbit's hat. That's not what happened. Do some research. Don't look at the news media. You know, find credible sources. But it boils down to... I, I made that choice on my own. I chose to do that for my own health. I should, if they told me, if they had done all these mandates ahead of time, I wouldn't have taken it because I'd have been ticked off that somebody's telling me I have to do this. If I want that kind, go to China, living under communism. You know, that's what they live on. But understand that this is how we take back that power that they're taking away from us, right in front of us. Well, and let me say this too. It's only one of many tools. This is an important tool that we ought to pursue, but we have a, a, a few tools at our disposal. One of them is voting. What, what is that? You want to talk about the lack of, uh, of, of representation in, in local elections? Folks, I don't know if you were there the night I said it. You can... You can affect your quality of life by voting in local elections more than you will ever see in federal elections. You want to make sure that your community is producing children that are that are being taught uh, 
information, like reading, writing, and arithmetic, you know, the things that they go to school for and not, you know, somebody's political opinion, get involved in your school. Get involved in your public schools. You want to judge that's, that's just and, and that is in, in a position of authority who is acting in good behavior. Uh, <laughs> Uh, get get out there. Get get involved with your local politics. It will change your life for the better. Um, and get your neighbor too. And get your get your get your family. Get your your church. Get your book club. Get everyone that you that you know involved in politics. If you'd expect to see a change, that's really the biggest tool at our disposal. The founding fathers set up a, a, a system of government where we can fight. A tyrannical government first with ballots, not bullets. And that is unheard of anywhere else in the world today. I pray it doesn't come to bullets. Um, but let's exhaust all other means before that. Um, I'm going to keep keep reading here on the uh, convention states. So it asks the question, so are we making any progress? The answer to that is you better believe it. Since the project launched in 2013, we've been spreading like wildfire. With over three million, there's actually an event, side note, event in Seguin um, on the 24th uh, Convention of States. It's it's a closed event, like they had a cap on attendance, I think they hit their cap. But just a little tidbit of information that's now useless to everybody watching. I'm going to have to get in there somehow. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and so let me just talk about uh, um, Convention of States here for a minute. You can actually volunteer to be a representative, right? they have a term for it, I forget exactly what it is, but basically um, it's, they basically empower you to give presentations and to spread the, spread the, the knowledge of Convention of States in your community. Um, I did it up in Alaska before I, I signed up in Alaska before I came down here, just started to get involved literally like the week before we found out we were leaving and kind of have not gotten involved with it since I've been down here just because I've been busy with other things, but that's an option that I intend to get back involved with when I get an opportunity to do so. But anyways, since the project launched in 2013, we've been spreading like wildfire. Amen to that. With over 3 million supporters nationwide. That's huge. We have petition signers in every single state, house, district across America. We are actively working in all 50 states to pass the convention of state application. Check out our stats below. And so everything I've been reading is from the Convention of States website, which I recommend you go check out. They have a map on their homepage of every state which has passed a Convention of State resolution, all the states that are actively looking at it, and then the states that have either passed the resolution in um, one of the, the houses, so either the Senate or the, the House. Um, and this thing is being backed by everybody. It's, it is... It is a tool which, I mean, if we can get, if we can call a convention of states, pass an amendment to, to rein in the federal spending, to add term limits, uh, to protect the vote, which is huge. That's absolutely huge. The moment we lose the vote, we're, we're going down a, a, a really bad direction. Um, House Bill 1, I think, is the, the bill. It was the first thing they tried to push through when the administration took over in, in January. It allows the federal government to regulate the election. So they determine how the election is going to take place. So you mean we're going to give the power to the people we're voting for to determine how they get voted? That's it. It's done. Per the Constitution, right now, 
the only, the, the, each state determines how their state is going to run elections. And that is important if we're going to remain a republic, if we're going to keep this federalist system of government, which we currently have. It's God's in control. I'm going to say that. I don't want to sound all doom and gloom. Too, too, I don't want to. I don't want to sound too doom and gloom. Um, but it's important to keep your eye on the federal government. Read the bills. It's a lot of work. It's really annoying. It's what half the jargon is is you know lawyer speak, and it's it's difficult to read. Um, but there's there's resources out there. There's websites out there that put it in, in plain language and really let you know what it's what it's saying. And, uh, and fill in all the gaps to, to make it um, easier to read and brings it down to a, a, a level of understanding that, you know, somebody in the army could understand. So um, there's resources out there. The, the, the moral of the story thus far is get involved. you got to get involved. Right. And, you know, people always say, well, there's nothing you can do about it. Well, yeah, there is. First off, you can vote on your local level. Second, you can get involved in because a lot of people don't know about the Convention of States. We could do so much with that. You know, we could literally stop the federal government from, you know, part of the problem is that these people, they get in office, both sides of the aisle. I'm not picking on the sides. Both of them are equally, you know, guilty of this. And they're in there for 40 or 50 years. What are they doing? They make 175K a year, but they live in a $5 million mansion. How does that happen? Well, because they're there for one reason, and it's not me and you. They're there to line their pockets. So cut them off like the president can only do two terms. Cut the rest of them off at two terms, and you will see the landscape change. Absolutely. You know, almost immediately. Well, the founding fathers, they, they expected a political position was a service to your community, a temporary service to your community. You went back home, and, and, and uh, we talked about it in the last session of Constitutional Life when it talks about um, recess appointments and recesses being called and, and basically everybody going home because they had lives. They were, they were farmers, they were businessmen, businessmen, they were merchants, whatever. That was the way it was intended to be. You're supposed to be a, you know, a citizen of the country, and then you provide your community a service by becoming a senator or a, a representative. You, you do your time, and then you go back home and you work your farm. Or you run your business, or you you know you, you do your your fishing or whatever it is. That was the intention. Now we've got politicians, just like you said, and that's their career. You know, forty years in, they're so out of touch with reality that they are not representing anyone but themselves. Yeah, that's a problem. And, and you know, they they uh, they create these a lot of these politicians. They they create a foundation, a nonprofit, and then they put some little family member of theirs, you know, some third cousin 14 times removed as the CEO chairperson, and then he distributes money. And that's how they, they get rich. They get filthy, free, rich, you know, on us. And what are they doing for us? Nothing. You know, they're playing to the crowd, you know, and it's just, I mean, I don't know. I mean, where does it end? Well, we have tools. But the problem is that most people don't know about these tools. They don't know that, that there's a way to. And one of the things that I've learned from this course that we're, that, that uh, Ben's running us through is that if we don't learn it and teach it to our children, it's going to take more than a generation to recover 
from the point where we're at right now, where we're so divided, you know, the government is literally pointing us to towards each other. You know, they're like, you know, I'm not gonna use any analogies, but they're they're basically putting people against each other, and that's not how this country was set up. It's not how the framers. You know, one of the really interesting things that we learned when Ben started this was, you know, people always ask you, who are the most two important people that were in the Constitution? You see that famous picture where they're all in in the, uh, you have one in, I know there's one in this book right here. It's the, uh, the famous declaration photo, and that's probably impossible to see for the, uh, the camera there. Uh, let's pick it up here. So most of y'all see this picture right here. So if you're at home, how many people... That signed the Declaration of Independence, can you name? You know, answer that humbly. Answer that honestly. <laughs> yeah. You probably get, you know, Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, maybe a few others, maybe Hancock. He's got the, you know, the famous, signature, yeah, yeah, the famous signature there. Do you know how many people signed the Declaration of Independence? 56. Yeah. And most Americans can name. Two, maybe three, four, if they're, you know, have, a, have a, another reason to. But, but why? But why Jefferson and why Franklin? That's the two that most people will tell you if you ask them. They say Benjamin Franklin and Thomas Jefferson. Do you know that they are the two least Christian people of all the framers, of all of them? Why? Because that's what they teach us. That's what we're being fed. And then if you go back to Benjamin Rush, what were the three things that we talked about that he actually framed out that our, our public school system should be? Love and serve God, love and serve your country, and then love and serve your family. Where has that gone? So I, do, I, think, it, I think it can really be tied to 1947, I believe was the year, when Justice Hugo Black, KKK member, Determined that Thomas Jefferson, when he penned a, a letter to Danbury to the Danbury Baptist Association, let me back up a little bit. The Danbury Baptist Association was fearful that the First Amendment gave religious freedoms, and so they wrote a letter to Thomas Jefferson, basically, who is the president at the time. They were concerned that the First Amendment would be construed to mean that the federal government was giving religious freedoms. Jefferson writes back, and it's a very long letter. And he basically says in the letter that no, the, the First Amendment is a protection. It's a negative liberty. It's 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 something the government can't do because it's bigger than government. We can't touch it. And he says, never will the First Amendment be be construed to uh, to mean that. There is a clear separation of church and state. Okay. Now that you said that, this is really important. Because everybody thinks that a separation of church and state is one thing, and Ben's going to go over it because it is not what you think it is. Jefferson goes on to say that, that, that you are, he basically says, yeah, there's a clear separation of church and state. What he was saying is the state can't touch the church. It's not their jurisdiction. It's not their, they can't touch it. Religious freedoms, the ability to practice the dictates, of, the dictates of conscience comes from God. Every man has the freedom to practice the dictates of their conscience, which goes back to the 
vaccine thing a little bit. But won't get into it, but <laughs> but it ties together. You can tie it together. Yeah. yeah. Um, a historian wrote about the the Constitution. So this is so. Anyways, Justice Hugo Black. He he determines that when Jefferson wrote, there's a clear line. There's a separation of church and state. That he was referring to the First Amendment and the church remaining out of the state. However, if you know anything about the founding era documents, you see nothing but biblical biblical uh, um, uh, things taking place, like we've brought up before. Benjamin Rush just absolutely uh, pioneered the notion that the Bible should be taught in public schools. There were multiple calls to prayer, prayer declarations by, by presidents early on. Um, before that ruling by, by Justice Black, separation of church and state had been used a few times, a handful of times, in the context of which Jefferson wrote it. Since then, it's been cited over like 3,000 times. I forget 3,000 times. I forget the exact number. But every time it's now cited, it is being cited to take the Ten Commandments out of a courthouse, or it's being cited to remove the nativity from the from the, the, the town square. It's being cited in a fashion that Jefferson never meant it. A historian, what I started to get into, a historian wrote about the Constitution, the events that took place, and I forget his name. Um, but he sent a rough draft to Jefferson, and he said, hey, I just want you to proofread this to make sure I'm not, you know, make sure I got it all right. And the historian put Jefferson at the Constitutional Convention. Jefferson wrote him back and said, I've got to correct you. I was never there. I was in France. I had nothing to do with the Constitution. Yet people today believe that he's behind the First Amendment, that he penned separation of church and state into the First Amendment. It's not there. If you're watching at home, you can Google the First Amendment right now. Read that first protection in the First Amendment, and nowhere will you see separation of church and state. Matter of fact, take a look at that protection, the, the, the whole First Amendment, and which of those five protected rights is most specifically protected, and that is freedom of religion. Um, I don't know if you were there the first night when I had read the First Amendment. Yeah, I and it was just, yeah, like, and, and, what, and that's the other thing too is how many protections are in the First Amendment? Five. People don't know what they are. They, they think it's freedom. What is the First Amendment? Freedom of speech. Well, there's a bit more than just freedom of speech. Let me read it. I'm talking about it. Let's, let's, let's read it. First Amendment. It's actually in the book here. Probably just use my Constitution, right? <clears throat> We have a little pocket constitutions. Yes. That's what we're referring to. When, when we're just... So the First Amendment, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. Let's talk about COVID for a minute. Or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. We didn't see any of that last year. Or abridging the freedom of speech. There we go. Finally, speech. Or of the press. Or of the right of the people to peacefully assemble and to petition the government for redress of grievances. That's a lot different than freedom of speech than most people think it is. That's right. So I encourage you to get one of these. 
go online. My goodness, it's everywhere. You can read the Constitution. You can read the Declaration. That Jefferson did have a lot to do with the Declaration of Independence. Yeah, he drafted the Declaration. He drafted that. But beyond popular belief, he was not at the Constitutional Convention where they were actually framing the Constitution. He was overseas. I think Franklin was overseas too, wasn't he? Uh, no, Franklin was, he was Okay. I know that he ended up spending time when uh, – because John Adams, when John Adams was in France – uh, so was uh, so was Franklin at some point. But. A lot of the founding fathers spent a lot of time overseas uh, as either ambassadors or um, brokering deals or whatever whatever the the reasoning was. But they were over in, in France and in other countries. Quite a bit. You should know what your amendments are. And then there's also a lot of video out there. You can go look it up of the current administration, different people from the administration talking about the Second Amendment. You know that it limits what kind of guns that you can have and whatnot. And I'm going to read the entire Second Amendment to you, okay? It's, it's pretty fuzzy. I have a hard time understanding yeah, what, what's being said there. It's three friggin' lines, people. Three lines. Here's what it says. Second Amendment. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Period. That's it. There is nothing else to the Second Amendment. Nothing. So, and again, going back, educate to, yourself. Like, going back to original intent, the original intent of that Second Amendment is obvious. Oh, yeah. Obvious <laughs> that that is in place to literally protect ourselves against a tyrannical government. But nobody goes back to original intent. Nobody reads the the, the journals. And nobody goes back to know. They just listen to the high priests of the law, the Supreme Court, and if they say it, then it's good enough. And that's, you, folks, you got to get out of that. The, the Supreme Court today has taken the little bit of, of, of authority and power that they have, and they have run in a direction that is so unconstitutional. A, a convention of states, I would love to see some amendments reigning some of that power back in from the judiciary. Because one, of the, one of the questions that Ben asked that made me think, and, I, and then I, since he asked this question, I've asked several people that I know, people that I trust, people, very intelligent people. I said, of the three branches, the executive, the legislative, and the judicial, which one is, is was meant to be the strongest? And the first thing out of everybody's mouth is the judicial. And I'm like, really? They so are today. What's the second one? And they go, well, the, the uh, executive. And I'm like, Really? So the way it was designed by the framers was supposed to be the legislative first, the ones who make the laws. Second, the executive who executes the laws. All right, that's the president's job to execute the laws that are made. And then finally, at the very bottom of the barrel, she's supposed to be the judicial. But you know, we've gone way askew from that. It's true. Um, and that's and the legisl the legislative is supposed to have the most power because they're the closest to us. They are the most uh, easy branch to rein in. If well, they used to be. Now they spend all their time in Washington. Well, but even then, but even then, it's it's more likely that you'd see a legislative uh, member getting with withdrawn than you'd see a judiciary member get drawn. I mean, that's nearly you know Congress can do it. They don't know that they can do it, well, or they I, won't do it. I think 200 years ago, 
they were like, you know, the, the legislators were really close to us because yeah. they had the farm next door. Right. Exactly. They went to the church that we went to. They used the same general store that we all went exactly. to. They were literally living in the community, you know, where they saw issues firsthand that they could take back, you know, and, and legislate with and, and say, hey, well, we should probably adjust this. Or, well, and that is a huge problem today is yeah. they are out of touch with the reality. They are career politicians who live in D.C. or live on their yacht in the Bahamas, and they are so removed from reality that anything that comes out of D.C. is is – Truthfully, it's it's based on getting more power. Yeah. I mean, they have created you know the education department and the you know the amount of political growth in the last 100 years, especially, has just been absolutely outrageous. And that's something we can talk about. Is many people don't understand that Congress can't do anything. It can't create all these departments, unless it is specifically listed in Article One, Section Eight of the Constitution. If it's not in there, they can't do it unless they amend the Constitution and give themselves, or we give them, the authority to do that. That's that is a a forgotten fact of our country. Is we have the power. We the people. That's how the Constitution starts. The and I understand we're not taking sides. We're not saying the right or the left or the middle. We're not. Across the board, they don't have this power. Correct. Um, but they bogarted it. They've stolen it. And that's exactly right. And I think a lot of it is because people don't know. How do you defend and assert the Constitution if you don't know what it says? If you don't know what's in there? If you don't understand it? You don't study it? You, you can read it. But reading it won't allow you to defend and assert it. You've got to study it. You've got to know what the Founding Fathers meant, what they intended when they penned the words... It, 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 um, if you haven't studied the Constitution already, I challenge you to do so. Hillsdale College, a website um, online, has a free course on the Constitution. It's phenomenal. I recommend everyone take it if they haven't already. Um, I'm, I'm pointing four fingers back at myself because I've looked at it and, and read through it, but I haven't actually taken the course yet. But I've seen how awesome it is. Um, Rick Green's Constitutional Live class, the course that we're going through right now, it's actually a 10-week class. They're, every section that we've been going over is twice as long. Wow. People don't come back for 10 minutes. Right. And so they cut it down to six weeks to hopefully get that group to come out. And already, we, we had 84, 73, 70, now we're down to 50. So already, the numbers are just dropping. And that's, and it's, I get it, people are busy. Right. But... You got to pick your battles and you got to know which ones are worth fighting. And I will always believe that fighting for your country is a battle worth fighting. I know the kids have baseball games and football games and, you know, but it better be something family related and not, oh, I wanted to watch my favorite TV show. If I'm, you know, if that's the case, you got to rethink your life. <laughs> Just being humble about that. There has to be something that's more important. Yeah. The greater good, and you know, God didn't intend for us uh, to live a life of fear. No, uh, He intended it for us to prosper. And you know, the thing is, people always say all the time they try to use God, but God gave us a brain to use. It makes sense, you know, to go and study these things that physically 
emotionally, spiritually affect us daily. And if we don't watch out, we're not going to be able to, to choose what affects us spiritually, you know, and civic, you know, in our civic life. Um, that's why it's so important. He created us in his image. Part of that is we are thinking rational human beings. We have the ability to to comprehend, to understand, but to make good decisions if we seek out those good decisions. Um, we're that being said, we're also depraved. We're we're living in a sin-filled world. We have natural desires to be lazy and to do nothing and to to you know to eat a bunch of junk food. to eat a bunch of junk junk food, but um. But we don't have to. We can do the right thing. And doing the right thing is what ultimately matters. Um, being involved. Uh, let me say this. I believe wholeheartedly there is an awakening taking place in America. Is it too late? Is it too little? Maybe. But I don't think so. I think we are at the, the precipice, the cusp of a of not only a revival spiritually but also politically um i pray that it the, the momentum continues um some of the political groups i'm, I'm on with uh with with the um, constitutional live coaches and just some of the other things like i there is a movement that i've never seen before and it is good <laughs> it's really good yeah and, and in no in no way shape or form uh you know, the Bible says, give Caesar, receive what's, what's due Caesar, but give me what's due me. I, we are in no way advocating, you know, uh, for you to take up arms and dig a bunker and, uh, and go take over your local government. But if you educate yourself on the Constitution, if you educate yourself on the Convention of States, you know, we have a say. That's how the framers set it up. We have a, a say in what happens to our country, but you can't just nonchalantly say, oh, well, somebody will, somebody will do something about it. You know, it needs to be us, every one of us. And we need to teach our kids uh, because if this, if this, you know, it's going to be up to us to make an impact in this generation and obviously the generation that's coming next. The founders set up a system where we can fight with ballots and not bullets and that is huge i do have to, to say something though render to caesar that which is caesar's who is caesar in this nation as the founding fathers intended we the people was their intent founding fathers wanted the power to be kept in i mean they, they believed and i i think that's the way that you know ultimately let me say this the founding fathers quoted scripture in nearly every sentence <laughs> i mean it's maybe not every sentence but they quoted scripture naturally because they they studied and they, they knew the word of god um uh, exodus 18 21 i'm gonna read that real quick anyways what i'm saying is the way the founding fathers intended um our government to be in this country is the power comes from us we are citizens we give we lend power to the congress we lend power to a president did y'all hear that we're Caesar. It, that's how the framers set us up. That's the way they intended it to be. The power is supposed to be with the people, not the government. So 
Oh, there you go. Let's try Exodus, not Genesis. This is a, a verse that was uh, quoted quite a bit. And it's exactly what we ought to look for in our leaders that, that we elect today. So Exodus 18.21. <clears throat> so this is uh, Moses. He is organizing the men of Jethro, his father-in-law. And he says, and Jethro tells Moses, Moreover, you shall select from all the people, able men, so men that can do the job, such as fear God. Man, that would be crazy if we got some men in office today that fear God. Men of truth. Wait, you mean you don't want them to lie either? Holding, or uh, sorry, hating covetousness. Another translation is um, hating a bribe. I think there's any bribery going on in D.C. today. You want to talk about lobbyists and, you know, all the money exchanging hands. So, moreover, you shall select from all the people, able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of ten. It, that just described our federalist system of government. We have a federal government. We have a state government. We have local governments. It's, it's so important because, like we talked about earlier, if I don't want to, you know, deal with California anymore, I can go someplace else. Idaho. Idaho. Yep. I love you guys. I had no idea you guys were that red. Holy mackerel. Yeah. Um, and that's exactly the way they, they meant it to be. If the federal government gets us, the current federal government gets its way, we will essentially all become one, whether it be California, New York, whatever, we'll become one and we'll lose federalism. And that is very dangerous. Um, I was going somewhere. So yeah. So hopefully that never happened. Voting. That was the other thing talked about voting earlier. Something I want to address, we talked about it on Monday, is the national popular vote. National popular vote. This was cool. So if you know anything about the national popular vote, you know that it is a bad deal. Because it basically would turn the country into a democracy. Now, this may be news to you. I'm, I'm hoping that it's not. But the United States of America is not a democracy. The news won't tell you that. Your history books might not tell you that either. But we are a constitutional republic. We are a republic bound to the parameters of the Constitution. National popular vote says that each state, when they have when they hold their elections for, for president, will give all of their electoral college votes to the winner of the popular vote. The popular vote is the democratic vote. But the popular vote does not determine who is president. The electoral votes do. So you can have an electoral vote that is different than a popular vote. It's happened, I think, four or five times now. Um, but founding fathers didn't want a sufficient vote for the president. They wanted a sufficient, that D word, distribution. They wanted also a, su a sufficient distribution of the vote. 
a lot of times uh, you'll see after elections, after federal you know, presidential elections, you'll see the county breakdown, and you'll see red across the, the state, except for the blue cities. That red is a sufficient distribution of the vote, and they wanted that to play into effect when it came to voting for the president. So the Electoral College is important because it guarantees a sufficient distribution of the vote, as well as a sufficient um, uh, basically a sufficient number of popular votes as well. So, you know, if you have 53% vote for candidate one and what is a 47 vote for candidate two, but the electoral votes go to candidate two, 57% is sufficient. That is a sufficient vote. It's not like it's, you know, 5% or whatever. So as long as it's a sufficient portion of the popular vote, that's all the founding fathers expected. The national popular vote is trying to get rid of it. And if it's in your state, try to get every citizen. And if they're talking about it in your state, pull out the old uh, pen and paper and write your, your congressman right now and say, this is not good. Yeah. So um, give us a couple of thoughts to go away with. Um, there's so much material. I'm telling you, like, without, you know, doing a, a three-hour, you know, marathon podcast uh, where we just talked about this, um, give us some things, you know. Here's some key things that I'm going to say that I'm going to let, I'm going to let uh, Ben wrap things up. But church, separation of church and state was never, ever, ever designed to keep the church out of anything. It was designed to protect the church, designed to protect my right, you know, to worship as I please. It was intended by the framers. They didn't want Europe. They didn't want a church. They didn't want a state church. Like a state church, right. But it was intended for the individual. And so uh, that separation of church and state is used wrong so much. Um the other thing is a convention of states. Convention of states is the gun, guys. That's that's the big cannon that we have to keep the federal government at bay. No bullets, nothing. It's the convention of states. Uh, get involved in your, in your local area. You got to educate people about a convention of states because a lot of people don't know what it's about. Uh, and the understanding that if we don't teach this, to our next generation, all we're doing is making things worse for us now and worse for us later, and honestly, worse for our kids. So, give us some closing thoughts, man, on everything, whatever you want, whatever you think is like the most important. Because this is going to air yeah. on Constitution Day. It is, it is. So, I'm going to read this, this quote from John Jay again because it really sums everything up. Every member of the state ought diligently read and study the constitution of his country and teach the rising generation to be free. By knowing their rights, they will sooner perceive when they are violated and be better prepared to defend and assert them. This, this, this statement is huge. It's, I mean, it's really everything. It, it provides, it paints the, the picture. If you love this country, if you want to see this country pull through this dark age it's currently in. First of all, 
open up your Bible and read and study that first. Because this statement equally applies to the Word of God. But when your Bible study is complete, open up your pocket constitution that you keep in your pocket, or should now keep in your pocket, read it and study it. Know where to find Article 1, Section 8, Powers of Congress. Know what the First Amendment says. Know what the Second Amendment says. Know what the rest of the First Ten Amendments in particular say. Know what it all says. Know where to find it. And once you have studied it, teach it to your neighbor. Teach it to your son, your daughter, your wife, your husband, whomever. Because there will be a day that... Well, I'd say we're probably in the day where the Constitution has been thrown out the window. It is no longer considered when when making law. And it's a dangerous time if good men do nothing. Be that good man, that good woman. Get involved in your local politics as well, but also your national, federal politics. Know what is right. And that truth will set you free, quite literally. Um, we could literally go the rest of the night talking about talking about different things. But I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it at that. Read and study the Word of God. Know it. And once you do, or 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 when you need a break from it because your eyes are starting to bug out, read read and study the Constitution. It, it needs to be a part of your. It needs to be a part of your life. It really does. Um, this country is. Let me. I'm gonna back up. Rick Green says it this way. The fate of the free world depends on you, and I'm talking to the listeners. Because the fate of the free world depends on America maintaining her freedoms, and America maintaining her freedoms depend on citizens and. It's citizens, or you, it's us. Be that change in the world today. I'll, I'll leave it at that. I could probably go on for hours. But. And I'm going to tell you, and if you don't believe me, you can go online and look up. There's there's all kinds of, uh, when I went through my business classes, they teach you how to do SWOT analysis and all kinds of things. And you and you uh, you can pull statistics from all, from credible places, you know, all over the place. So if you start pulling statistics up, uh First off, eighty-six percent of all Americans drink coffee. I'm just saying, but but more but but more importantly, um, uh, more than eighty-six. I can't remember what the exact number. It's in the high eighties of Americans identify themselves as being Christians. That doesn't mean there's eighty-six percent of the three hundred eighty million Americans that are going to church every Sunday. They're not. Uh, but that's how many people in this country. If you ask. And so why is it so hard to ask you, you know, to pick this book up and to learn it? This book's a lot smaller. It's a lot less complicated than this book is. You know, why are you not studying the Constitution? Why are you not teaching the Constitution, you know, to your children? This is how we protect ourselves. This is what the framers had in mind for us. I was going to say, and, it, and you said it, it's people are afraid of the Constitution. They think it's, they, they won't be able to understand it. So they just never read it. 
it's yeah. it's not so difficult to understand. It does take a little bit of digging, and there's resources out there like the Constitution Made Easy that I've been reading from. Um, but don't be afraid of it. Pick it up and read it. One thing we haven't talked about is, but also read the Declaration of Independence. That is really the the foundation that the Constitution was built on. And again, we can probably make that a part two. But yeah. the Declaration is equally important. Yeah, it really is, and it's really interesting too because when we first started this course. You know, you ask people what was in the Declaration, what were we declaring our independence from England from, and most people, probably not, I, bet, I would venture to say 95% of Americans would tell you taxation without representation. But there's actually 27 or 29, 27 grievances in the Declaration of Independence. There were 27 different reasons. You know, some of them were uh, trial without was it a due process or basically uh most of them were judiciary yeah a lot of them were because the the king would appoint somebody as judge and governor of or, or marshal whatever they call them of an entire area and he pretty much was the king of that area he did whatever he wanted and so so important to learn these documents it's not hard to read i mean these all these books that we have today they, they write it in plain English. They take it out the V and the that or thou and, and uh, you know, instead of putting favor, F-A-V-O-U-R, it's just no, spelled. Did that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so uh, it's the same words that were written uh, in the 1700s. And uh, think about this for a second, too. Something just popped in my head. Actually, I've been thinking about it since I started this, but. You know, when they created all these documents, there was only 13 states. Think about how now we have, what, 52? Just 50. 50, whatever. With two outlying, whatever they call them. Territories. Territories. Um, and this, they're all governed by the same document that was designed for the 13. It's because it was so perfectly done. It was so well thought out that they knew that even if it expanded, it was going to be valid. And anybody in the world will tell you that this is the benchmark, you know, for freedom. No, no constitution has survived 234 years, 234 years. The average lifespan of a constitution in the world is 17 years. There you go. I'm gonna, if I may just close with a, a statement, there's a there's a, a regular attacks by experts that our constitution wasn't founded on biblical principles. Our least religious founding fathers, air quotes, Benjamin Franklin, uh, after about two to three or uh, four four or five weeks, called called the Congress called or the, uh, the convention rather to uh, to really. Take a step back and, and, and look at what they were doing. This is what he said, if I may read it. He says, Mr. President, and this is him addressing the convention. Mr. President, the small progress we have made after four or five weeks, close attendance, and continual reasonings with each other, our different sentiments on almost every question, several of the last producing as many no's and eyes, is, methinks, a melancholy proof of the imperfection of the human understanding. He said, we're not smart enough. We've been working at this for four to five weeks. We ain't smart enough. But he goes on. He says, we indeed 
seem to feel our unwanted political wisdom since we have been running about in search of it. We have gone back to the ancient history. Of, uh, we have gone back to ancient history for models of government and examined the different forms of those republics which have been formed with the seeds of their own dissolution that now longer now no longer exist. And we have viewed modern states all around Europe, but find none of their constitutions suitable to our circumstances. In this situation of this assembly, groping as it were in the dark to find political truth and scarce able to distinguish it when it presented it to us, how has it happened, sir, that we have not hitherto once thought of humbly applying the Father of Lights to illuminate our understandings? In the beginning of the contest with Great Britain, when we were sensible to danger, we had daily prayer in this room for divine protection. Our prayers, sir, were heard, and they were graciously answered. All of us who are engaged in the struggle must have observed frequent instances of a superintending providence in our favor. Have we now forgotten this powerful friend? Or do we imagine that we no longer need his assistance? I have lived, sir, a long time. And the longer I live, the more convincing proofs, proofs I see of this truth, that God governs in the affairs of men. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, is it probable that an empire can rise without his aid? We have been assured, sir, in the sacred writing, that except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. I firmly believe this, and I also believe that without his concurring aid, we shall succeed in this political building no better than the builders of Babylon. I therefore beg leave to move the henceforth prayers imploring the assistance of heaven and its blessings on our deliberations be held in this assembly every morning before we proceed to business. There you have it. What an incredible uh, expression from someone who was one of the least religious people of all the framers. And that's how much he put if you're doing it without God, you're doing it in vain. I mean, if that doesn't tell you how important God was to the, the people who who set up our country, designed the the system of government that we have, I, you know, then you just don't want. Then you don't care. You don't want to know. You know if that's the case. But uh, Ben, thanks for for sharing. I know this is a passionate uh, passion for you, just like coffee is for me. Uh, and, and I, I love history, so this was, you know, when, when I heard about this, that we were going to do it at church, I was so excited. I signed up, you know, and, I mean, the line just went on forever at church. Uh, people signed up. And um, and so, you know, just go back and listen to some of the things that we've said. Uh, get online and do your own research. You know, don't take my word for it. Don't take Ben's word for it, even though he's, he's pretty knowledgeable on it. Um uh, and these people, you know, that there were some of the resources we have, extremely knowledgeable people uh, who've done the research so that you don't have to sift through every single document. But you can. They're there. They're available. So, you know, don't believe lies. Don't believe, you know, what the media wants to tell you. If it's yeah. if it's coming out of, out of your TV, it's probably not worth taking uh, – yeah, too much stake in it. But. So, folks, uh, what a way to end our our run for 
for our podcast award thing. What a way to end uh, this section of our podcast. Uh, I think that uh, next week we're going to start with uh, uh, season two. Uh, I'm going to end season one with episode 37. I don't know. I may go until 40 and then start a new, a new season, but uh, pretty much I'm already kind of gearing down towards that starting a new season uh, with some changes, you know, to the, to the format. Um, but uh, you know, it's going to be, you know, when you guys see this, it's going to be constitution day. Uh, ask the question, ask the question of uh, if you're watching, Ask your kids when they come home from school, did y'all learn anything about the Constitution today? And I'd love to see your comments. I'd love to see how many people actually say yay or nay. And I bet you there's very few people that actually log on and say, yeah, my kids learned today. They, they actually went over it. We are in Texas, though. So we might we have, are in Texas. We might have a, an advantage over the rest of the nation. But. Yeah, yeah. I, I know some people are actually talking about that. So, um Get on the website, man. Follow us. Give us a share. We're on TikTok now. I need to get to a thousand followers so I can go live. Uh, I hate TikTok. I hate the idea of it because I know who owns it. But the fact is, it's a great tool to get the message out. And as you guys know, Third Day Coffee Seguin exists primarily to share the gospel of Christ. Uh, secondary, sec secondly, to uh, support our brothers and sisters. Uh, in crisis, especially our military family, and then our community uh, overall, and uh, to to support our community in Christ-like fashion, and to provide the best coffee that we possibly can on the market, which I think we're doing a great job of. And that's not just me; that's a lot. Of you. If you hadn't had our coffee yet, you need to try it. Uh, we have great feedback uh, from people, and so uh, I think we're on the right track of, of where we're going with our coffee. Uh, it's and so that some of the missions that we support that we're going to get into uh, in the weeks to come. But uh, stay tuned, uh, you know, vote for us. You'll see uh, when this airs, you'll see the ticker on the bottom that will uh, tell you where to go vote. Uh, and for crying out loud, if nothing else, get this little pocket constitution and read it, educate yourself. So, Ben, thanks again. I appreciate your time. Uh, I know we could go all night talking about this stuff because I really love it, especially all the myths and things that, that people tell you that are not true. So, uh, folks, open a book, you know, even if it's this book, even if it's, you know, on your phone and you got you to gotta look something up. Turn off the TV, put, put away the video games. Yeah. You know, that, those, An two, hour. those two things alone will give you so much more time than you thought you, you had. Absolutely. So until next week, God bless everybody. Treat each other the way God intended us to treat one another with love, kindness, and respect. Until next time, I hope you have a great weekend. I hope you have a great week. Uh, pray, pray for our country. Pray for uh, all of our troops that we lost in Kabul. Every, all our troops that we've lost, period. But pray for their families, especially those families who are still alive or still uh, grieving or still uh, dealing with this, with this loss, the latest one in Kabul. Uh, and then our troops that are being deployed right now, pray for them and pray for their families. Uh, pray for the leaders of our country, people. You know, that's the best thing you can do, not the last thing you should do. Don't put God on a shelf and just grab him off on you when you want something. Pray for our country. We need it now more than ever. All right. Good night. See you guys in a week or less. And uh, God bless.
All right, folks. That was a long-winded one. <laughs> uh, I'm glad that uh, you were able to tune in. Uh, I hope that uh, those of you who uh, saw the ticker, uh, vote, please vote. Uh, tomorrow's our last day uh, for the um, uh, Veteran Podcast Award voting. And I put the, um, the website here in the comments. So I, I ask you, please, to do that. You know, it'll it'll help us out quite a bit. Uh, and it's not a pat on the back I'm looking for. I'm looking for more resources so I can do more ministry. Uh, and that's pretty much what it's because everything I have belongs to him. And if you'll put him, if you'll put God Almighty in front of everything that you do, uh, he will pour out blessings on you that, that you didn't even know were possible. And all these people that are going across the bottom of the screen, pray for their families, pray for their brothers and their sisters and their mothers and their sisters and their uncles and their aunts and their children. All right. Love you guys. I'll see you soon. God bless. Don't forget if you're in the Seguin, San Antonio, Austin, New Braunfels area tomorrow, we're going to be at American Legion post number 245 in Seguin from 11 a.m. until uh, 4 p.m. And that's at 618 East Kingsbury Street at the American Legion in Seguin. All right. God bless you guys. Treat each other. We got in tennis. Treat one another with love, kindness, and respect. Till we see you. I'll be doing lives tomorrow. God bless.